Welcome back to Early Detection of Pancreatic Cancer, the Importance of Primary Care. My name is Jeffrey Gordetsky, and I've been a practicing family physician for 30 years. I'm speaking with Dr. James Farrell, Director of the Yale Center for Pancreatic Diseases and an interventional gastroenterologist who specializes in pancreatic cancer. Pancreatic cancer is defined by nonspecific symptoms, so our discussion today will focus on when we as primary care physicians should be suspicious of pancreatic cancer in one of our patients. Pancreatic cancer is typically diagnosed in late stage disease, and I feel that PCPs could help in detecting pancreatic cancer earlier if we could better recognize the vague symptoms associated with the disease. What should we be looking for? So by the very nature of where the pancreas is, diseases presenting the pancreatic cancer in the pancreas, especially along the lines of uh, a pancreatic tumor, uh, often present latent in a very nonspecific manner. And this is really one of the great challenges we have with managing uh, pancreatic cancer. Uh, the pancreas, as you know, is located behind the stomach. Um, and as a result of that, the symptoms are very nonspecific. And you can certainly have patients with, you know, abdominal pain, some weight loss, some anorexia, some nausea and vomiting, and even uh, some back pain. But those are also very common symptoms for a variety of other diseases. And it can be really challenging to try and figure out, you know, which ones do require, you know, immediate evaluation with imaging and so on and so forth, and which ones require a different approach to work up. Um, there's some other kind of more, I would say, specific uh, presenting issues, such as the development of jaundice or dark urine, um, as well as occasionally the presentation with acute pancreatitis, and we talked previously about new onset diabetes. So again, these are a little bit more specific, and you know maybe people need to be uh, cognizant of their stronger association with pancreatic disease. But I mean, jaundice, as you know, and could present could be a viral hepatitis, it could be a drug reaction, it could be many things, gallstones, uh, such as a benign etiology. So I think you know being aware of it. Trying to keep it in perspective is important. I would add, though, like when thinking about something like acute pancreatitis, this often gets lost. We, we for sure think about gallstones. We for sure think about the alcohol and even medications as a, as a result of it. But I think it's really important when dealing with someone in the right age group, particularly 50 and over, who really has not had a pancreas problem in the past, to really think about the, the possible development of a pancreatic tumor as an explanation for uh, why they got pancreatitis. And so I think just being aware of that alone uh, should make the primary care physician understand that they need to make sure that in the right age group, the patient does have follow-up imaging, that even though the imaging may be very abnormal during the attack of acute pancreatitis, uh, that after things settle down, it's important to have repeat imaging to make sure that everything in the pancreas uh, is truly normal. Right. So a lot of these vague symptoms, of course, are very common that we see in primary care. So as a gastroenterologist, when do you feel we should be referring these patients to a gastroenterologist for care? The challenge, the challenge is still there. Uh, anybody for sure with abdominal symptoms, with so-called associated worrisome symptoms, uh, we would certainly expect and need those patients to undergo further evaluation and possibly uh, be referred to a gastroenterologist. So, for example, if someone is losing weight, if someone is having problems keeping food down uh, or having progressive nausea, that really things aren't getting better after some simple dietary mod modifications 
or taking over-the-counter antacids, for example. You know, those are the sorts of patients that we have to look in. Again, it's really important to reassure the patient that pancreatic cancer, uh, bad things fortunately are still uncommon, and there are plenty of benign common etiologies, you know, such as reflux disease, such as peptic ulcer disease, such as gallstones, uh, that need to be evaluated and ruled out as well. Uh, but I think it doesn't hurt to begin the process. It doesn't hurt to think about uh, blood tests or imaging studies that might be useful to try and separate out the etiologies. And of course, I think probing as well for risk factors that might be contributing to the patient's risk factor for an underlying pancreatic neoplasm. So we talked about new onset diabetes. That should certainly be a red flag. But again, diabetes is common. Uh, acute pancreatitis. Yes, the vast majority of patients presenting with pancreatitis do not have an underlying neoplasm. Uh, concerns about new onset back pain, even depression, uh, obviously jaundice, changes in urine color, all those sorts of things should make us maybe focus in a little bit more on the pancreas as a possible etiology, but also trying not to alarm uh, the patient at the same time. Very good. So as part of the differential diagnosis, what workup should be performed or which test should we be ordering for patients we suspect may have possible pancreatic cancer? I think after you know taking a very detailed history and looking for supporting factors that might predispose to pancreatic disease, be it benign or malignant pancreatic disease, you know, and beyond then initial basic blood work, looking at liver function tests, um, as you know, we are still at a stage where we are trying to get better pancreatic-based blood tests uh, with the immunovia development of their blood pancreatic cancer biomarker signature. This may certainly lead into uh, increased possibilities within that area. Um, I think there's a need for improvement over what currently exists. The current technology we use is the CA19-9, uh, which really, as you know, lacks sensitivity as well as specificity. The sensitivity issue being, of course, that it, it misses uh, several small pancreatic cancers. The specificity issue being that it's often elevated in a variety of benign conditions, such as pancreatitis and biliary obstruction. Uh, but I think there is uh, hope on the horizon with the possibility of getting uh, newer blood tests into that field. All of these roads do lead to imaging. Uh, and preferably they lead to non-invasive imaging, such as a good quality pancreatic protocol CT scan, uh, which is the proper administration of both oral and IV contrast, as, or an MRI scan uh, for looking at the pancreas. And this is very good for not only looking at solid, looking for solid lesions within the pancreas, but also trying to identify some of these cystic diseases that we talked about earlier. So I think going down that route first will really allow you to gather a lot of information to help you decide whether or not there is or is not something significant going on in the pancreas. Um, often when someone is at that stage of workup where they've had blood work done, they've had imaging done, the imaging is maybe unclear, it raises concerns, just not certain. You know, we're often involved at that point from a gastroenterology point of view and often asked to perform additional advanced endoscopic procedures. The two most common endoscopic procedures that we get asked to perform, primarily from a diagnostic perspective, are an endoscopic ultrasound and an ERCP. An endoscopic ultrasound 
is the combination of a regular endoscopy and an ultrasound to allow really very close visualization of the pancreas and also to allow us to biopsy the pancreas, be it a solid lesion or even a cyst. We primarily use ERCPs for therapy if we want to decompress uh, the liver, for, for example, from someone who might have a pancreatic head tumor. But from time to time, we do rely on it for diagnostic reasons uh, to get brushings from either the bile duct or the pancreatic duct. So those tests can also be very helpful in the evaluation of uh, somebody with pancreatic disease. But I guess, you know, just to, to get back to the, the major issue, which is, I think, reassuring patients that fortunately, these pancreatic neoplasms are uncommon compared to other more common uh, etiologies, and that there is a variety of extensive uh, blood work as well as imaging studies that can be done safely to rule out more significant diseases. So in wrapping that up, it seems like a lot of these vague symptoms are very common, but of course we have to be aware to recognize the warning signs, which would indicate a need for further workup and or referral. Thank you for listening to our series, Early Detection of Pancreatic Cancer, The Importance of Primary Care. We hope you enjoyed it and that it helped you understand the important role primary care can play in detecting pancreatic cancer. If you are interested in learning more about Immunovia and their tests for the early detection of pancreatic cancer, please visit immunovia.com.